0: Hello, and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle, and thank you for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. This, has been my, this is my first podcast in about four months. I wish they had been more frequent, but unfortunately, I just haven't had uh, the time to really put in and uh, get a lot of these recorded. I, I wish that hadn't been the case, but unfortunately, it has been. So what I wanted to start off with, before I hope to uh, keep this going pretty well into the fall and winter and the award season and what have you, is to go back to go back through the summer and uh, basically say what I liked about this summer in terms of the movies and why I didn't like. Uh, what I didn't like, first and foremost, is the fact that there are still a lot of movies from this summer that I haven't seen. Um... Among them include the Angry Birds movie, Independence Day Resurgence, uh, independent films like Love and Friendship, um, Money Monster by Joey Foster, The Legend of Tarzan, Free Save Jones, uh, Secret Life of Pets, the Ghostbuster reboot by uh, Paul Feig, uh, Pete's Dragon, Southside with You, and Don't Breathe are among the ones that I missed. Uh, I wish I could have gotten to some of them, but I mean, fortunately, my schedule doesn't really allow for, uh, keeping up with those on a regular basis, keeping, uh, case in point, I just got to Jason Bourne this past month, this past weekend. So, basically, what I want to do is just go through, uh, the list of 30 movies I saw this summer, um. 33, if you include a screener for a, a TV show pilot that I watched, uh, as well as Andy Billman's ESPN 30 for 30 documentary Believe Land, and the uh, DC animation uh, adaptation of Batman the Killing Joke. Those are three, I wouldn't quite say theatrical releases that, nonetheless um, made it into my viewing this summer and definitely made an impact on me in one way or another. Uh, Believe Land as an Ohio fan, as an Ohio person, as somebody who has enjoyed Cleveland sports and loved Cleveland sports and been frustrated with Cleveland sports, uh, really resonated with me as a the Cavs were heading towards their NBA championship run. And <clears throat> it still resonates with me because the, one, the big uh, threads in that movie have to do with the Cleveland Browns, which I'm a huge fan of, even though it's going to be absolutely frustrating to watch a very young team on the field this year. So that was added to my um, collection of movies for this year. Uh, It's one of my favorite movies this year. Probably may give it a uh, shout-out at the end of the year, but haven't quite decided yet. I mean, it is a feature-length documentary. It has been shown at film festivals. So uh, maybe, but it's not uh, part of my official viewing for the summer. Uh, sort of the same thing for Batman the Killing Joke. Uh, it's primarily like most of the, uh, like all of the DC animation, it is direct to DVD or digital platforms, and it's it's a really good movie. It's a really interesting adaptation. It's about as good of an adaptation of the Killing Joke as you could have hoped for. And uh, it's it's something that Actually, it's the, for me at least, is the best DC movie we've seen this year after uh, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. I'll get more into Suicide Squad uh, shortly when we're talking about the summer movies. And then another movie I saw uh, that wasn't quite as... Good, but is a uh, was a screener for a pilot, a uh, sort of web series uh, TV pilot, um, called Artless, and uh, it was enjoyable. It was uh, not quite, you know, I I didn't quite get into it as much as uh, I think the filmmakers were hoping for. I mean, I might, when more episodes come out this September, I might very well <coughs> watch it some more to see uh, how it improves, but overall, I was relatively unimpressed with it, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I might watch an episode or two here or there, but... Right now, I'm not quite engaged in it. So it was a uh, pilot. It's called Artless, <clears throat> and it's gonna be a uh, web series. So those three, with those three out of the way, it's time to look at the uh, movies that had an impact for me, and basically how the summer shaped up for me as far as movies. So that we have thirty. There are thirty movies that I saw that were released in the summer in one way or another and therefore qualify for uh, qualify for uh, this consideration a lot of screeners not still not quite caught up on screeners but I've gotten uh, closer over the summer and uh, like I said I've missed some uh, big studio films like the ones I mentioned earlier but there was still a lot to see and I'm still missing a lot of independent films and that has always been the case basically for the past few years I uh, haven't really been able to get to Terra or the Midtown Art House Theater in Atlanta to get to those but that is that is the way it is right now and so I will just be keeping trying to catch up on a lot of those as much as possible on Netflix. <clears throat> the best movies I saw this summer, there are five movies from this summer, surprisingly, uh, that got, received my highest grade, that received an A-plus grade. Uh, it, that's a bit of a surprise because for the most part I felt this summer was very middling and very disappointing not just from a uh, major studio standpoint but there were a few uh, screener movies I saw that I liked but I didn't quite um, get into <clears throat> as much as I did but the major studios in particular I think struggled this year Which was disappointing because they had some promising films, uh, and we'll talk about those. So the five best films, uh, the five that received my highest grade, um, are as follows. We'll start with number five. Uh, That film was a uh, short film, a screener that I was asked to review called Hellbent. It's about a writer, a magazine that's looking for a big story so he can get a promotion and he finds one of a very unexpected source, an old lady who has a very interesting friend and somebody who is the last person you would probably expect. That was, it was a wonderful execution of concept, it was comedic, it was... It was really well well constructed and it was one of my favorite um short films so far i've seen this year it's uh one that i really really enjoyed and really thought was quite original and unique uh four and three i'm gonna lump these two together because they're the two big major studio releases that I saw and was absolutely blown away by. Uh, Number four was Captain America Civil War, Marvel's uh, Marvel's latest uh, superhero adaptation as they head the way towards uh, Infinity War in a couple of years, and it rounds out the Captain America trilogy with uh, Chris Evans, Steve Rogers this time bringing in uh, Robert Dyne Jr.'s Ant- Ant-Man as well as many other uh, characters in the Marvel universe to adapt one of the most uh, famous and popular <coughs> uh, comic book uh, stories in the recent Marvel history and this was the second film for uh, Joe and Anthony Russo in the Marvel Universe, after Captain America, Warner Soldier, and they showed why they are uh, taking over for Joss Whedon on the Avengers: Infinity War and that sequel, <clears throat> and they just did a fantastic job. It's funny, it's entertaining. It introduces Tom Holland as super as the new Spider-Man, which was fantastic, and he does—he's going to be really good. I kind of felt that way um, just knowing from his work from The Impossible, but seeing him in that film just really made me feel even more so that they nailed that casting. Uh, number three is uh, Star Trek Beyond, which uh, took on big poignancy this year with the uh, tragic passing of Anton Yelchin, who had played Chekhov in this new. Uh, reboot of Star Trek films, and uh, Justin Lin takes over for J.J. Abrams, who was making uh, The Force Awakens at the time, and just did a wonderful job continuing this series, and uh, really, it's the closest thing to, I think, what classic Star Trek is for fans, I mean, which fans would know more than I would because of the fact that I've always been more of a Star Wars person than a Star Trek person. I, I've i watched a few episodes of the original series, but never really gotten into it as much as I would like. And uh, I just... It, Star Trek Beyond really shows off the capabilities of the new Enterprise cast and the way that I... <clears throat> Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pine is Kirk, uh, Zoe Saldana is Uhura, Zachary Quinto is Spock, Simon Pegg is Scotty, Carl Urban as Bones. Bones and Spock in particular have some absolutely wonderful material in here, uh, co-written by Simon Pegg, and it's just such such a good Star Trek movie, and it's really... Probably my favorite one, including the 2009 reboot with this new cast. I thought they did a wonderful job. Uh, number two this summer is was originally going to be released in theaters, but for some reason ended up uh, being held out of theaters and released on Netflix instead. I'm still not quite sure if I got the complete story on that, but it's an animated adaptation of the uh, novella uh, The Little Prince. And it it was the best animated film I've seen this year and the best animated film of the summer, and that includes Finding Dory. Uh, Granted, I did miss quite a few animated films, but I think it's fair to say that none of the ones I missed, Ice Age... Uh, secret life of pets, Rip angry birds really would touch the level of uh, either find Dory or the little Prince. And we'll talk about Dory a little bit more, but the little prince is it's a beautiful fable. It's a beautiful, fancy fable about a young girl whose life is basically planned to the minute by her. Mother by her working mother, and the girl is introduced or meets upon accident their next door neighbor, who is a bit of an eccentric old man called played by Jeff Bridges, and uh, he shows her what living really is, and really uh, opens her mind to. Uh, the potential of life and the potential to just enjoy life a lot more than uh, her mother has, is really capable of seeing at this point in her life. And it's just a beautiful film. It's beautifully animated. It's a combination of uh, computer animation with uh, stop motion and it's just it's got so many wonderful moments, just so many Quick little moments, and uh, it's it's really a wonderful tale told. I I hope that the Netflix release, as opposed to the theatrical release, does not um, prevent it from being nominated for an Oscar this year. Uh, Fine Dory would probably still win, but you never know. Um, the best movie I saw this summer is a documentary, and it's the uh, Music of Strangers. It's A film about a uh, world music, uh, classical uh, world music ensemble put together by uh, Yo-Yo Ma, and it basically looks at the history of the ensemble, the Silk Road Ensemble, and looks at the way that the countries that all the performers come from and the political... Um, unrest or the uh, position, the way their, the lives of the musicians has really come into their music and is a form, and the music is a form of expression on what these, what these musicians have gone through. And as a creative person, it's just really a wonderful film to experience as musical person it's the music is wonderful the music is soulful it's just such a great testament to um creativity and it's it's something that just blew me away i would love to have seen it a couple more times i mean i'm absolutely going to get it when it comes out uh on blu-ray digital forms and uh that was my best movie of the summer, and it's it's kind of it it's kind of flooring that you know with all these big movies, you know usually it's a major studio film that makes it into my top spot for the summer because that's what I usually tend to see. but this year was a documentary, and it was a one of the richest documentaries that I've ever had the uh, pleasure of watching Um, is as good as other ones I've seen in the past no but it's one that really it's one that really spoke to me and it's one that nonetheless I think has a lot of value and as a uh not only as a film, but also as something that could expand people's minds about uh, the world in general, and see and show people how uh, creativity is able to come through and be something that people can use as as an outlet or what their what what they're going through and what their uh life is like um in the place that they come back, come from. And so uh those those were those were my top 5 this year. Um even as frustrating as this year is this summer has been on a uh, movie level. Um and, again, we'll talk about that later a bit. Uh, there are only two movies, actually, that I felt like were really below average and really not that not that good. Um, one of them was a screener that I was offered the possibility to watch. It was called uh, Target Fascination. And um, it... It basically uh, it basically looks at a family that was torn apart by um, brothers who were torn apart by a uh, one of the brothers committing rape and murder, murdering a woman several years ago, and he gets out of prison and tries to make amends and. Uh, we we sort of see that process and it's a compelling it's a compelling story it's a compelling idea but it really i never felt like it <clears throat> i never felt like it um took off i never felt like it really had as much focus as it probably should have um there was some interesting things that they were trying to do narratively but honestly I would have liked to have just seen them try to uh tell the story as best they could and uh really dig deep into just a simple you know into the story in general and just really <clears throat> show what that um what that experience was like I mean, I think they they did it and they tried to do it, but I didn't feel feel like they did that very well. So that's that's why that movie is rated as low as I did. I rated C. Uh, the worst film I saw this year um, was given my uh, political affiliation a bit, of, you know. Self-fulfilling prophecy slash, uh, you know, blatant masochism on my own part uh, was watching uh, Dinesh D'Souza's Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democrat Party. Now, even if I didn't subscribe to being a liberal, I have a feeling I probably would dislike this movie anyway, because it was, it's blatant propaganda, which... Is fine because other movies have been Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9/11 is very much that way, but at least, at least it was a well. At least Fahrenheit 9/11 was a well-made movie. Uh, Hillary's America is a mess. It's not really a documentary. It's more of an essay. And I mean, I look at Dinesh D'Souza's and Michael Moore's in the same way in that respect. They're not documentaries. Ultimately, they're essays on the uh, political views and the uh, political interests of the people who are making them. But I feel like there's a certain degree of dishonesty and uh, naivete presented by D'Souza in this film that is just ridiculous. The idea that this guy who has been in the country for decades and yet is... Basically, making like he didn't know about the history of the Democratic Party and the fact that yes, they were the party of slavery. They were the party of, um, you know, they they were there were corrupt there were corrupt uh, <coughs> corrupt ways of uh, bringing the party together in the past. And the idea that this is news to anybody, much less. Somebody in a position as a pundit and political person like D'Souza is simply ridiculous. And it's either D'Souza was naive or he's thinking his audience is. Because anybody who's seen Lincoln will tell you that, yes, the Democrats were the party of slavery and Lincoln, the Lincoln, the first Republican president, was the party was the president who freed the slaves. But the fact of the matter is, it's like it feels like it's a lot of fear mongering and uh paranoia about vast conspiracy it just isn't there. There are only three talking heads in the film. Uh all of two of which are uh, very obvious conservative uh, talking heads. The third one, um, which is... Uh, who is... Um, who was it? Let me look in my review. So, yeah, there were three talking heads in it other than D'Souza. The third one um, is Carol Swain, who's a political av- activist... Um, who only seems to be interviewed because of the fact that she's African-American and is not a fan of the Democratic Party. Uh, I felt like hers was the most genuine of the three interviews, mainly because of the fact that the other two very much, uh, Jonah Goldberg and Peter Schweitzer, uh, very much had obvious political agendas um, for anybody who's worth looking. But I mean, I thought Carol Swain actually was the most interesting person in that movie and had the most interesting things to say, Uh, I don't necessarily... Even though I don't necessarily agree with her, I think that I feel like she she at least was the only one that sort of uh, gave me something to think about. And the other... Everybody else really didn't because of the fact that it was so obvious what this film is it's very obviously supposed to be anti democrat anti hillary clinton and it it you it relies way too much on uh reenactments as opposed to documentary and uh, historical footage and I feel like that was a mistake and because the director is ultimately responsible for capturing the tone in those reenactments. And I feel like D'Souza took the opportunity to basically kick everything up to 11. And it was basically just very obvious fear-mongering, in my opinion. And it's just not a very good movie. And I would certainly hope that um, people who even people who aren't fans of Hillary Clinton and people who aren't fans of the Democratic Party and who consider themselves conservative would look at the film and see how shoddy it was made and realize, you know, this isn't isn't a good movie. And I have a feeling probably there are people who feel that way about it. So those were my two worst films of the year everything else was very much in the middle of those two extremes. Uh, there was a lot of very average movies this year, and that's kind of disappointing, <laughs> because there was, there was some potential this uh, summer. I mean, there are still some that I haven't seen. I haven't seen Pete's Dragon. I haven't seen Southside with you, Don't Breathe. Um... I haven't seen movies that had some good, uh, good reviews and, uh, high noses, but, you know, the, the ones that I did see, I expected more from, uh, probably the biggest disappointments for the year for me were, uh, Steven Spielberg's The BFG, uh, based on the novel by, uh, Roald Dahl, uh, author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and uh, James and the Giant Peach. And I felt like um, it was really disappointing because of the fact that the movie itself is amazing from a visual standpoint. It's a beautiful movie. Um, But it, for some reason, didn't quite land with me, emotionally speaking, and that's unusual for Spielberg. Spielberg, even a movie like War Horse, which I'm not a huge fan of, or Bridge of, which I'm ultimately not a huge fan of, but is not a bad movie in any respect, still lands with me. And on an emotional standpoint, I felt like BFG didn't. Uh, there's some wonderful technique in the movie, some wonderful qualities from his uh, collaborators, but I just didn't think... The movie worked. I mean, and in particular at the very end, uh, there's a sequence where sort of the real world gets thrown in with the fancy world. I felt uh, was, and it's something that's from the original book because I looked it up and I, because I was curious as to where this came from, and I think I disliked it about as much as people would dislike the 2,000 years after sequence uh, Spielberg had at the end of AI. Um, I, I think my reaction to that sequence, that ending is comparable to how people feel about that. Um, so that was probably the biggest disappointment because of the fact I'm a Spielberg fan, because of the fact that I love his films and I will always see whatever he... Uh, Puts out. I made sure I wanted to see the BFG uh, really early, and wanted because I didn't want to wait as long as I did for Bridge of Spies, um, which was in December. Uh, the next most disappointing movie for me was—I mean, both of these movies are good, but they—I was hoping for more. I was hoping for great. Uh, to a certain extent, out of these movies. Uh, The next one that I was really disappointed by was um, Suicide Squad. David Ayer's uh, DC comic uh, adaptation with uh, basically a villain team-up, which includes uh, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Killer Croc, uh, Diablo, uh, the Enchantress, who ended up being the villain, The Joker, who is only really there for the sake of Harley Quinn's um, backstory and not really much else, which is disappointing considering how good uh, I felt like Jared Leto was as the Joker. Um, I mean, the movie itself just didn't really... I liked it. There were things about it I really liked. But overall I felt like it was a letdown because it's it felt like a middling another middling effort from DC. And uh I I think they've they've struggled this year to really I I think there's the aesthetic from Marvel was very different, but I think the storytelling from DC is uh definitely not on par with what we've been getting from Marvel. And there's some genuine world building that's been taking place with Marvel, whereas DC I think they've just basically been trying to catch up with Marvel as quickly as possible. Um, I will say Suicide Squad probably had my favorite soundtrack of the year. Um, Easily had my favorite soundtrack of the year. And uh, I felt like it's, that was that was interesting. It was a good step in the right direction after how disappointing I felt uh, the Batman vs Superman score was. But and I will say I thought Suicide Squad was better than Batman vs Superman, but I still felt like it left much to be desired. As somebody who really wants to see DC do well, and just isn't really impressed with what they've seen from DC so far. Uh, in terms of let's see another another big franchise that disappointed me, uh, would and disappointed a lot of people I think was uh, Jason Bourne, I which I just saw this weekend, and I thought it was all right. I thought it started really well with a uh, scene in Greece that I felt like really showed potential in that movie but ultimately just didn't really go anywhere from there, and just sort of spun its wheels. I thought Matt Damon is great as always as uh, born. I thought Alicia Vakander did a really good job as um, sort of her new, his new antagonist uh, with the CIA, but overall, I felt like after that scene in Greece, I felt like the movie sort of went downhill from there. Um, Warcraft, uh, another big movie that, uh, I can't say I was expecting much from Warcraft, and so in that respect, I think I got about what I expected, but at the same time, I felt like there was more that they could have done with it, and, uh, it's, it's an interesting, it was an interesting universe, but for some reason, the tech. But the technical qualities uh, overshadowed this story, and I felt like the story um, just didn't really uh, go up to snuff for me. Uh, The same could almost be said with X-Men Apocalypse, which uh, is the last, I think, in the uh, first-class trilogy that started with X-Men First Class and then Days of Future Past Apocalypse. I think we will see some of those characters again Uh, especially now that they've really successfully recast Sophie Turner as the young Jean Grey. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of good there, and I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, Overall, I was let down, especially after how good uh, First Class and uh, Days of Future Past was. Um, Horror... Was a uh, big. There were there were a few horror films that I saw this summer, and I really uh, got into for one reason or another. The best one was James Wan's uh, The Conjuring Two, which I felt uh, successfully brought a uh, new chapter of the Warrens' uh, story to life. Even though it's you know it's basically all of these Possession movies basically have the same M.O., and it's hard to get past that. And uh, so I still think James Wan pulls it off beautifully And with the uh, stories of the Warrens. (coughs) Uh, Lights Out, which was produced by James Wan, is an entertaining uh, horror movie, is something that, It was fun to watch with an audience on a Friday night uh, PG-13 horror. Not really much noteworthy except the uh, scare-inducing premise about a uh, dark figure that can only be seen uh, when the lights are on or when the lights are off. And when the lights are on, you can't really see them as well. So that was uh, that was an interesting that was an interesting uh, little horror movie. Uh, one probably the best one after The Conjuring Two that I saw was a uh, found footage movie that is on Amazon right now called The Break In, and uh, it it's more of a thriller than it is a uh, horror movie, but it uses a lot of the same tactics of a uh, paranormal activity and i felt really used those well really utilized those well to tell a story that was really interesting and uh and did it it did what it wanted to do quite effectively um one of the uh, better horror movies that I've seen is actually a short film. It was uh, Air. It was the new film by uh, Richard Powell, who had done Familiar, which I absolutely loved um, a few years ago. And uh, it's, I didn't like it quite as much as I did um, Familiar, but it's still a very uh, unsettling and compelling story at the center of it um that really it it gets under your skin in the best way possible and then uh there was uh one more screener that i got the devil's door uh from the same filmmakers who made music store massacre a couple of years uh last year i believe is when that one i watched that one that year 2014 but uh yeah, it was. It's it's an entertaining uh, sort of. It's it's an entertaining horror film. Uh, it's you know it's an entertaining thriller. There's not much more beyond that, but it's something that I enjoyed. Uh, so let's see what else. Uh, there are a couple of sort of survival movies that were one that was in. The theaters one that was via my screeners that were both about the same level of quality and you know on the same level of entertainment value uh one was the shallows with Blake Lively as a surfer who's uh basically uh trying to get away from a shark, and I felt like that was an effective thriller and basically exactly what you expected it to be. And then uh, another one was Margot, the screener that I watched, which was Margot, which was basically about a uh young woman and her uh, boyfriend who are surviving in a post-apocalyptic world and uh <clears throat> and the boyfriend dies, so the girl. The woman is basically left to fend for herself, and there's a really wonderful lead performance in that movie uh, that really makes the movie worth watching. Um, the rest of the movie, you know, the post-apocalyptic survival story is getting a bit old, but it's going to be around for a long time, so you know, we're, you just kind of have to live with it. Uh, Comedy-wise, um... Really, one of the only uh, mainstream comedies I saw this summer were, uh, was uh, Mike and Dave Need Wang Dates, which is inspired by a true story, which I did not really realize until I saw it, and it's, it's a fun movie, uses Anna Kendrick and Zac Efron and uh, uses them well. Um, Adam Levine and Aubrey Plaza felt like were used less well but I mean overall was an entertaining movie Uh, not really much more than that Uh, Sausage Party uh, the Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg uh, animated movie about um, basically about food that wants to uh, have sex is was a great animated experience, but overall, it's... And really astute uh, religious commentary I felt, but overall just wasn't quite as solid as other uh, provocative uh, adult animation uh, films like South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, or Team America World Police. But it was definitely... I'm glad I got a chance to see it. Um... Most of the rest of the movies I've seen are either shorts or features that, uh, that I screened. And um, there was a documentary on uh, youth boxers, Touch Gloves. Um, there was a uh, new film from one of the filmmakers uh, who I've really come to admire called, and the name of their short film that they uh Delivered to me was In a Time for Sleep. Uh, it's another really successful short film from them. Uh, John Paul Rice and Edgar Michael Bravo, who've been a team that's uh, shown me a few really good features over the years, delivered another one which I just saw yesterday called The Young Man's Future, about a uh, young man who whose boyfriend suffered from schizophrenia and he has to decide what exactly his future is going to be with regards to that. And I felt it was just such a wonderful movie. It was such a wonderfully executed and w- wonderfully acted movie. Um, a short uh, with uh, Timothy Cox, who's, a, uh, who's an actor who sent me a lot of short films of his uh, that he's done over the years, and it, this was another one of his really good ones, um, called Mail Time about a uh, post office carrier who fancies himself a magician, and uh, basically what happens after he's inspired, uh, in his uh <coughs> attempts at uh illusion. So. Yeah, that was that is definitely one of the best shorts that I've seen this year. Um, Lati, which is about a uh, young man who's a, about a man who's got cancer and uh, is just very much to himself, and comes across a crime that's occurred and tries to deal with it as best he can at the last stage of stages of his life, and then. Uh, there's also, um, Delusion with, by, uh, Christopher, uh, forgive me, um, <laughs> going to get this name right, uh, Christopher De Nunzino, who has given me a lot of different films to watch over the years, uh, short films, feature films, documentaries, and, uh, he's got another, uh, Uh, drama, mystery uh, about a widower whose wife has died, but he gets a message from her. And it's basically about a man at the end of his life or trying to rebuild his life after losing his loved one and what that does to his psyche. And it's really really one of the... Another compelling film from Dean Nunzino, who just has a really good eye for uh, different types of stories with a spiritual edge to them. Uh, Miss Red is a short film that I really liked. Um, and then there are two uh, other theatrical films uh, that I haven't mentioned yet, Now You See Me Too, which is a good, which I felt like was better than the first movie, um, but overall, just not a you know, it was it was a good caper, but that's about it. And then, of course, there's "Fine Dory," which I mentioned earlier, but didn't really get into. I felt like Pixar did a really good job with the sequel, and I felt like it wasn't just a matter of, "Oh, well, let's do a sequel because the first one was so successful. I I didn't feel like that was the case with Dory at all and I felt like they really uh, successfully <coughs> continued that story but I certainly hope that this is it for that story I don't know really how much more that they can do with it and uh, so that was my summer of the movies um, thank you very much for listening I hope to have a uh, more consistent podcast for you, uh, in the coming months. Um, even some more, uh, cat, uh, filmmaker interviews. Um, there are definitely some that I want to do in the, uh, few, next few months and hopefully I'll get some of the, uh, other stuff from earlier this year and later last year, like the second part of Ron and mine's, uh, star, star Wars, podcast as well as uh, some outtakes from my Alienate podcast that uh, I have to offer so thank you very much for listening I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it was informative and uh, please join us again at uh, www.sonic-cinema.com and this is Brian Scuttle and thank you very much for the, uh, from the Sonic Cinema podcast Thank you.